0: I bro- further my brothers and sisters rejoice in the Lord it is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again and it is a safeguard for you watch out for those dogs those evil doers whose mutilators of the flesh for it is we who are the circumcision we who serve God by his spirit who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisees. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness, based on the law, I was faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already obtained.
1: thanks fred let's pray our father we pray with paul that our love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that we might be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through jesus christ to the glory and praise of god amen Alex Honnold is a now legendary climber who is renowned for his free solo style rock climbing. Uh, That means that he ascends mountain walls without ropes or protective equipment of any kind. In 2017, he became the first person to complete a rope-free ascent of El Capitan, a a 3,500 feet vertical granite rock face in the Yosemite National Park in California. It was filmed for an extraordinary documentary, um, Oscar-winning, in fact, called Free Solo, which released in 2018. And the documentary shows how in just under four hours, Honold pinches and crimps and hooks and jams his fingers and his toes into the cracks of the rock face in order to w- make his way up the mountain bit by bit. It's incredibly intense viewing. At points, says Honold, you're standing on tiny edges, small variations in the texture of the rock. If you slip, your hands can't hold you. It's just the two tiny points of contact that keep you from falling. And when you step up, there's only one. He remains in deep concentration throughout the climb. His entire attention is fixed on the holds and the moves that he's rehearsed for over two years. What are you thinking about, someone asked him. I'm not thinking about anything when I'm climbing. I'm focused on executing what's in front of me. It's been another extraordinary week in our country and in our world. It's like the volume has been turned up yet again, even more than we thought possible. And if you're anything like me, Your attention will have been constantly and powerfully drawn away from all the things that you have personal responsibility for or that you'd like to focus on. And it shifted onto a whole host of other things, uh, of overwhelming concerns, which you and I have no power or control over. Our thoughts have become captive to the mass of information coming at us, our gaze has been engulfed by more images than we can handle. As a result, perhaps you feel not off balance. Again, um, I do on a daily basis and you feel like your grip on everyday life has loosened. All of that, of course, has spiritual impacts on us too. Personally speaking, there have been days when I've struggled simply to sit and pray, let alone have the focus to read and work and pastor others. And collectively, As we shift once again to an exclusively online solution for church, at least this month, perhaps you feel like it's become increasingly difficult to stay connected to Christ and to his people. After all, we're missing out on some of those promised means of God's blessing, assembling together in person, joining our our voices together in confession and prayer and song, encountering his word preached as we're sat side by side in the pews And, of course, sharing in the fellowship of the Lord's table. And so the question is, how do I, how do we grow in Christian maturity and fellowship with Christ when everything around us is so noisy? When I've got no space or time to pray? When we can't meet as we should? As Christians, how might we not slide back or slide down and instead thrive in Christ even in a time like this. That's the focus of our time today. So if you're feeling weary or fed up or discouraged or lacking in motivation, downbeat, pessimistic, unassured, perhaps anxious or uncertain, well, this is a word for you, whatever age or stage you're at. Hopefully you'll remember from last time in Philippians chapter three, verses one to 11, which uh, we had read the way in which Paul's world was turned completely upside down. With extraordinary honesty, Paul described how he used to cherish and value his cultural and religious heritage, his standing as a Pharisee, his zeal for advancing his cause and accomplishing all the right things. Those things and those times of success are what gave him self-respect and honor in the sight of others. But that way of things came crashing down when Paul came to know Christ. And incredibly, he felt able to say in verse seven, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Verse 10, he says, I want to know Christ. Christ. By far, that surpasses everything else for Paul. And it's not that those other things were all wrong in themselves. It's just that Paul was wrong to make them a means of self-gain and self-glory. In effect, he put them in the place of Christ. But that changed when Paul came to know Christ, something that became more worthy than gold for him. And just to be clear, when Paul is speaking about knowing Christ, he's not simply talking about a new personal life mantra, something that um, he can pin to his desk above him to inspire him in the mornings. Um, And that's because knowing Christ is, is not just a new life value, which Paul can add to his existing principles. Nor is knowing Christ for him simply the acquisition of knowledge and information about Christ. When Paul says, I want to know Christ, he's talking about a real and intimate connection. One in which he is joined to Christ, sharing in Christ's person, including his sufferings, his righteousness, and his resurrection power. So Paul is describing a real change in himself. He's no longer just Paul. He's now Paul in Christ. His entire life, his values, his status, his worth, his confidence, his outlook, his goals, his whole self is found entirely in that reality. Accordingly, Christ became his entire focus, changing the way that Paul saw himself and the world around him. And so we come to our passage, Philippians chapter three, verses 12 to 16, the message of which I've summarized like this. If you want to grow as a Christian, Pursue what's already yours in Christ. Watching that Alex Honnold documentary was incredibly inspiring. Um, He's seemingly fearless. Um, He says each day there's a chance you might die and there's nothing wrong with that. Every living being on earth is facing the same existential rift. He seems so casual about it. At the same time watching him also made me feel slightly feeble and inadequate. I am completely incapable of doing what Alex Honold achieved, um, not least because I don't have his courage. Um, most people don't though. Um, you know, a scientific study was actually conducted on Alex Honnold's brain after his climb. Um, he was alive at the time. And what the scientists, dis- well, he still is alive by the way. <laughs> and what the scientists discovered is that Honnold has a very normal brain except for one abnormality his amygdala. Now, if you're able to see the screen, you'll notice two red blobs in the brain scan. Of, um, that's not Alex Honnold's brain, by the way, but um, those are the amygdala. And the amygdala is the part of the brain that sends information to your adrenal glands when your brain is processing danger or threat. It sends out rapid fear signals so that we jump back when someone or something takes us by surprise. Now, Honold has amygdala, it's just that his are smaller than most people's. He's actually wired in a way that enables him to do things like this without freaking out. And, you know, it's um, tempting to think of Paul in that way, or even other Christians. Perhaps you look at others in the church who just don't seem to, you know, be the same, who just seem more capable or knowledgeable or godly. And you think my life just doesn't measure up to them. I want what Paul has, but his words just don't match my own experience. Or to that, Paul thoughtfully says, don't misunderstand me, verse 12. Not that I've already obtained all this, or I've already arrived at my goal. First thing, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. I.e., I am not perfect, far from it. Paul is open about his weaknesses and even his failures. The truth is, like us, Paul was affected by the things that came at him. He'd been beaten and driven out, thrown to wild animals, imprisoned and burdened with all kinds of things. He had his thorns in the side and he too fell short in his struggle with indwelling sin. Yet he continued to run the race forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. He didn't give up. He kept pressing on. He continued to grow. The question is how? And the answer is because his goal was also his gift. Paul was enabled to press on because the goal, the prize, the reward he was pursuing had already in some measure Been given to him by grace. More precisely, Paul ran and strived like that more than gold song for communion with God in Christ who had already taken hold of him. Verse 12 again, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And verse 14, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. By the way, that's not to say that that heavenward prize is just entry into heaven at some point. Heaven, of course, will be the final prize, but not because it's heaven, rather because it's where Christ and his people will be joined together, where his people will enjoy the unhindered fullness of knowing Christ and knowing God in Christ, seeing his face, and sharing in his glorious life. So Paul exerts great effort to gain more of Christ now to progress and participate in him in the present. And he's confident that that is achievable because he is empowered by God's work in him. Remember Philippians chapter one, verse six, Paul is confident in God's power to complete in the Philippians, the work that God had already begun. And Philippians two verses 12 and 13, Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to, in order to fill his good purpose. We can work out because God by his infinite power works in. So you don't have to be an Alex Honold type christian to grow indeed that little phrase in christ jesus in verse 14 goes together with the main verb in the sentence paul says i press on in christ jesus in other words paul's union with christ empowers his efforts and dear friends what that means is that it is always possible to grow as a Christian we too can pursue more of what's already ours. Christ's work of grace enables our growth. Despite our struggles, often actually at the point of struggle um, is where we grow most. Whatever our successes or failures in the past, in Christ, we can always know more of Christ. And we can always, and, and, and Christ can always be more magnified in us. And even now, we can truly know that all the benefits and implications that flow from knowing him, including forgiveness through him, peace in him, conformity to him, fellowship with him, comfort from him, joy because of him, and hope until we see him. I hope that that's an encouragement to you in these times even if your spiritual life has become a bit like an overgrown garden left untouched for a while, the promise and blessing of God's presence in Christ remains. And wonderfully, even if you haven't cultivated that garden for a while, God still provides various means for us to tend it so that we might flourish in it once again. What are those means? Well. Here are a few, well, in four, in fact, four ways to help us individually and collectively to pursue more of Christ. Like the work of a gardener, they require effort, yet they always remain upheld by God's grace. And the four things happen to spell out the word grow. Um, and you might like to discuss um, each one further in your grow groups this week, um, perhaps. Um, G, gaze. Gaze on the one who's already embraced you and brought you in. Gaze on what God reveals of himself in his word. Gaze on the beauty of Christ, the eternal word, the only begotten son who took on the nature of a servant, who humbled himself to death, who is now exalted and enthroned above all things. And strive to fill your mind and soul with thoughts of him. It's too easy to fill our minds with the things that are plastered before us on our screens. But the end of COVID-19 will not save us. A vaccine won't save us. Christ is our savior. And gazing on him will enable us to live through this pandemic, whether it ends in life or in death. Also with the lenses of faith, gaze on the world that he has made that it might lead you to him. Contemplate on his works in the world. John Calvin often referred to the natural world as as a theater, and one in which we've been placed as spectators of God's work. He says, "Let, let us not be ashamed to take pious delight in the works of God open and manifest in this most beautiful theater. Be mindful that wherever we cast our eyes, all the things they meet are works of God and at the same time to ponder with pious meditation to what end God created them, gaze. R, rest. Paul uses the language of pursuit or striving and effort a lot in this passage, Um, but that's not to the exclusion of rest. One of the most striking things about this letter to the Philippians is how it's so full of joy and of prayer. Right from the beginning, Paul prays with joy because he's so confident in the Lord's grace and his work. He doesn't panic about the state of the church. He's not fearful of his own suffering and death. In fact, he gladly suffers because through his sufferings, he participates in Christ whose own suffering brought salvation to Paul. I don't think that um, that's because Paul had a small amygdala. He probably had a normal size one, but it's because he was resting in Christ who had taken hold of him. So what are the ways that we can rest in the Lord? Well, like Paul, we can pray. You know, the Lord doesn't actually need our prayers. Our prayers don't make him more desirous of us. Rather, it's because the Lord so desires and loves us that he invites us to pray. Prayer is an expression of faith and dependence through which we can take hold of what's already ours in Christ and to make our home there. Namely, we have the joy of saying our father in heaven. We can also rest by enjoying the Lord's day. Again, the Lord does not need us to rest on the seventh day or or, God doesn't need to rest on the seventh day. God doesn't get tired. The reason that the Lord rested on the seventh day in creation was to build that principle into the fabric of our world and to provide a means of us participating in his rest. And so the Lord's Day is not just about not working and relaxation. The Lord's Day takes us back to the fellowship of the garden where man and woman walked with God. It takes us back to the deliverance of God's people from slavery in Egypt and into the promised land of rest. It reminds us of the fellowship that the Israelites enjoyed with God in the temple. And it takes us forward to Christ through whom we have peace with God and communion with God. And of course it anticipates our final rest, which we will enter into in Christ. I think that's why it's felt so difficult without in-person gathering for church because resting in the Lord is not an isolated activity. In Christ our gatherings somehow signify the Lord's presence with his people and anticipate in some way heaven to come. So let's earnestly pray that we might gather together again soon. And let's also pray for wisdom to work out how we can and should continue resting on the Lord's day in such a way that it strengthens our tired souls in the moment and glorifies God. Rest. Oh, obey. Verse 15, all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. That is, Christian maturity is a humble recognition that we need Christ to grow. And if some of you think differently on this, uh, Paul says that too God will make clear to you. In other words, if you think you can live apart from Christ and his means of grace, God will show you that you're wrong. What can you expect if you don't go to meet with God where he promises to meet with you? It's foolish to think otherwise. And so, Paul says, only let us live up to what we've already obtained or attained, rather. I.e., we should live in a manner consistent with what we've received. That's the stance, the posture from which we'll mature and grow further. Christ taking hold of us should lead to us walking in him and in his ways. And Paul will go on to explore some of what that means in the next part. So we'll leave that um, there and explore some of the implications next week. Obey. Finally, W, worship. The goal of Alex Honnold's climb was the top of El Capitan. Every hold and every grapple at the rock face led him inch by inch to that summit. There is a goal and a purpose to the Christian life. And like pilgrim people, we are being called towards it. In the end, as it was in the beginning, God is there. And encountering him is what life is all about. In Christ, we have that. And our worship of him as we seek to enjoy and glorify God in our lives individually, um, in our lives of faith, and in the life of the church, particularly as we gather. All of that will lead us away from the things that are knocking us off balance, are causing us to slip down the rock face and lead us more and more to him. So worship him. May we take every opportunity to worship and adore our God. And um, as we close, let's do that now, responding to him together, um, to God's word together in the in the form of the Gloria, which we've put on your screen. So if you're able to join with me, let's say these words. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning is now, and shall be forever. Amen.